Leaders in charge of protecting data at healthcare sector organizations often complain about the internal competition for resources when it comes to investing in cybersecurity. For instance, should an entity buy a new MRI machine that can generate new revenue and improve health services for patients? Or should they invest in a new security monitoring system and a few security analysts to help better protect critical data? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Mary Chaput, CFO of cybersecurity consulting firm Clearwater Compliance. Mary will be speaking to us about the challenges she sees when it comes to cybersecurity investment by healthcare sector organizations. So Mary, before joining Clearwater Compliance, you were CFO at Healthways, a publicly traded global company for more than a decade. In that role, you were also responsible for privacy. Based on what you saw while you were at Healthways and what you see today in your work at Clearwater Compliance, what are the biggest changes in mindset when it comes to the healthcare sector and its willingness to invest in data security? So when I was at Healthways, we were a business associate. Now, at that time, the omnibus rule, which made business associates statutorily obligated to comply with the HIPAA rules, our customers were the largest of the health plans in the country and 32 of the 38 blues plans. And they, even though we weren't statutorily obligated at the time I started, they did make us responsible for protecting that health information. Uh, We had health information of over 45 million Americans. So we knew it was important to do that. I think what's changed today, although business associates do know that they are statutorily obligated, and certainly the covered entities know they are, I think what we're not seeing is uh, sufficient investment in the uh, sexy term is cyber, but it is information risk management. And and the thing is that hospitals and health systems all know about risk management. They have plenty of other risks that they're concerned with, errors and omissions, slips and falls. And so as a result, they are focused more on that than on information risk. And that has to change. And the investment in it has to be increased. So, Mary, when it comes to cybersecurity, where are healthcare entities willing to spend and where do they tend to underinvest? For instance, do they tend to overlook and underspend on cybersecurity when it comes to protecting systems that aren't directly involved in patient care delivery? You know, IDC had conducted a survey uh, recently that revealed that. 40% of healthcare IT budgets were increasing, which means that 60% are not increasing. And of those that are increasing, cybersecurity was fourth on the list following analytics, patient engagement, and customer management. So what we're seeing is that risks that are appealing to, I'll say, the CEO, because they typically have a high-risk appetite, willing to take a risk for acquiring something new, as opposed to risk mitigation, which means the risk already exists and they need to mitigate that risk. It's a complicated situation for the IT people because this isn't an IT problem, and it is the problem of every individual and every function that creates, receives, maintains, or transmits health information. And and it takes the entire organization and money from various budgets to put the protections in place for that information. 
So Mary, what is your advice for getting healthcare C-suite people on board in terms of making adequate investments in cybersecurity? What we recommend is a multi-step process. And the first step in that is there needs to be an advocate in the C-suite. Typically, that could be a VP of risk management. I have found that the most effective is the CFO because the CFOs typically are risk-averse. They understand risk management. The IP folks and other functions that have responsibility for protecting this health information need to have a sponsor on the C-suite so that they can have the guidance and the support and the feedback from an individual that's supportive of the end game because ultimately this is a patient safety issue and that has to be the change in the conversation and that's step number two. This is about quality of care and patient safety and there are ramifications to the organization that doesn't take a focused view on mitigating that risk. And you know that is made up of reputational uh, repercussions, financial, legal, regulatory, and operational repercussions that can affect uh, the financials of the organization. So I would highly recommend in step three that the organization, the work, what we call the working group, take a stab at costing what a data breach would cost their organization, specifically their organization. And I think that that sometimes brings the rest of the C-suite, including the CEO, on board with investing in stronger safeguards and controls, as pointed out in a bona fide risk analysis. Now, Mary, you mentioned the cost of a data breach. What do you see when it comes to healthcare entities and cyber insurance? Are those investments in cyber insurance being made? And don't these organizations have to invest in cybersecurity before they're even covered to you know, ensure that they're actually taking steps to try to reduce their risk? Yes. So insurance is crazy right now. It's, a, it's in quite a flux. I always recommend that an organization look through their cyber insurance policies carefully because it often is included in errors and omissions insurance. It's included in slips and falls. It can be cyber insurance, and you do have to be careful how it's worded because if it says, we are insuring you, but you are telling us that you are compliant with the rules, and then if there's a breach and there's some area of noncompliance, then the insurance company says, well, no, you, you breached the insurance policy, and so we're not going to be paying you. And that ha- there are a number of examples where that has occurred. One of the things that I like to point out to organizations is the possibility of using captive insurance to cover information risk repayments. And, and why captives, as you may know, is a way for an organization to insure itself against certain uh, events. What is unique with captives is that they are also allowed to give grants back to the organization for risk mitigation activities, which can include training and it can also include the conduct of risk analysis and compliance assessments. And so two things, again, just to reiterate, look over your policy and make sure that there isn't any um, conflicts between your various insurance policies and to consider a captive. And now, Mary, on a slightly different topic, some members of Congress have recently pressured the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to recoup 
meaningful use payments that were allegedly inappropriately paid to some healthcare entities. For instance, in some cases, audits by the Department of Health and Human Services show that some healthcare professionals aren't able to prove that they've conducted a security risk assessment of their EHR systems, which is a requirement of high tech. What's the potential impact on security investments if some healthcare providers are forced to return meaningful use money? For instance, will the competition for money at some organizations and the sorts of investments they make, including in security, be a focus more so than if they didn't have to return this money? Yes, of course. Uh, with money already being tight as it relates to HIPAA compliance and information security, it will definitely affect it. I think a better way for Congress to address this is to have organizations learn how to do a proper risk analysis and conduct it. And uh, this is the same issue that we see with HIPAA compliance is that an OCR has been financed. There's been 52 settlement agreements of which about 48 have to do with electronic PHI. And of that 48, 90% of the organizations have not conducted a proper risk analysis. So rather than take money away from organizations that still are struggling with this really fundamental uh, risk management beginning, you got to do a risk analysis before you even know where the risks are, give them the tools that they need to understand what they need to do and, and to do it right, and then get everybody on board. Let's not take money away from information security. Let's give them the right education to conduct it properly. Thank you, Mary. I've been speaking to Mary Triput. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.